all you movie junkies and cinephiles, it's time for the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. And welcome, one and all, to episode 263 of the SLS Cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Shenandoah Valley episode of the SLS Cast because it turns out that Mother Nature's resting place in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, adjacent to the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, Yes, the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia is a wonderful place. Got tons of resorts, beautiful state parks and hunting grounds and all sorts of great things. All these wonderful areas located on Virginia State Route 263. And with that long way down to get us to the 263, I, of course, am Matt. And coming to us all the way from sunny California would be our resident Sony employee, Tim. Shenandoah, to me, always reminds me of the open countryside. John Wayne, Roy Rogers, Gene Autry playing a banjo on the backside of a horse. Oh, sure. Shenandoah always reminds me of... uh, uh, of Culver's and Raisin Cane's. What? Because, um... Like the chicken like, place? There's, yeah, the chicken place. There, there's, um... <laughs> so there's... In the Woodlands area of Texas are actually... There's very small sandwiched municipalities that somehow existed. And uh, they even have police forces and everything. One of them is, um... Oak Ridge North... Uh, and the other one is Shenandoah. Actually, the big, huge hospitals, uh, there are two big, huge hospitals out there. There's a Memorial Hermann out there, and there's even uh, the St. Luke's. Oh, and the new Children's Hospital of Houston has a whole new branch out there, I guess. Um, and it's all in this little place called Shenandoah. And uh, back when the kids were being born... Um, we would always go and stop at either the Culver's for doctor's visits, uh, or the Raisin Cane's. And, uh, that's what I always think of when I think of Shenandoah. But now apparently you can think of the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. And did you know that, I don't know if we can plug the media sharing site that we use, but they are based out of Shenandoah, Texas. Really? Yeah. (laughs) If you Google... (laughs) <laughs> that uh, that website we use, you can see it. You know the the address to it is yada 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 Shenandoah, Texas. That's hilarious. Did not know that. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll have to reach out to them. Now, if Say any hi. of our listeners out there are interested in finding out what we're talking about, now you have to Google every single media sharing site <laughs> <laughs> to see what you come up with. Smart smart Googlers though will be able to figure that out pretty quickly, especially if they know they're Boolean operators. Everything's still going well in your world? Yeah, just about the same as last week. And same here. I would I would venture to say they're almost exactly the same as they were last week. <laughs> just a little bit later at night, right? Yeah, maybe. Just a little later in the evening. Who knows? Who, who knows? So uh, what do you say we... Uh, skip any potential castration issues this week and let's go right into our copycat throwdown what do you think sounds great let's do it folks it's time it's it's the the copy copy cat cat throwdown throwdown that's right it's the copycat throwdown well that's right it's the copycat throwdown stop it Stop, stop it. it. No, no, seriously. Stop it. Oh, right. Like, stop repeating? Stop repeating. Right. Oh, uh, okay. I'm going to kick your ass. Throwdown All right. This week's copycat throwdown is 1995's Jumanji. I'm glad you decided to buy this place. I'm sure that you and your kids will be very happy here. Every house has secrets. Everybody in town thinks the place is haunted. But what happened in this house? Little Alan Parrish. He just vanished about uh, 25 years ago. It's a mystery that began a long time ago when Alan Parrish was just a young boy who made an incredible discovery. Jumanji, you want to play? Alan, look. In the jungle, you must wait. Until the dice read five or eight. 
26 years later, Peter and Judy Shepard are about to play the same game and make an incredible discovery of their own. Are you Alan Parrish? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Everyone thought you were dead. Now. Never shaved before. They must roll the dice. You're playing the game I started in 1969. I'm gonna have to play. And finish the game together. It's not my turn. Whose turn is it? Sarah Whittle. Alan. 26 years ago, we started playing a little game. Whoa, God, no, sir! Alan, Come on, I spent over 2,000 hours in therapy convincing myself that this thing exists. Sarah, Sarah, we're all gonna sit down. We're gonna finish it. Jumanji versus Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. Wow, this is a fun group. Welcome to detention. Spencer, Bethany, Fridge, Martha. You're all here for a reason. Hey, person walking. You should be thinking about who you are and who you want to be. You'll have plenty of time to figure that out while you're cleaning out the basement. Are you gonna help or are you too pretty? I'm too pretty. Yo, what's this? A game for those who seek to find a way to leave their world behind. Jumanji. You pick a character and you're that person in the game. Which one do I pick? I don't think it matters that much. Moose Finbar. Sounds like a badass. I'll be the curvy genius. Dr. Smolder Bravestone. I guess I'm Ruby Roundhouse. Guys, help! Where's the rest of me? God, Fridge? Yeah, I'm Fridge. Who are you? It's me, Spencer. Who is she? Martha? Why am I wearing half a shirt and short shorts in the jungle? I think we got sucked into Jumanji and we become the avatars we chose. So that means... Bethany? Bethany? Don't look at it! <gasps> no! I'm an overweight middle-aged man. Well, I don't have my Claritin and all I see around here is Paula. Well, I don't have a top two feet in my body! Damn, that is a man right there. Don't cry, don't cry. Cry, it's gonna be okay. This is a video game, which means we all have special skills. Why am I running so slow? That was so intense. I like can't even with this place. Yes, all right. I'm glad they brought back the my kids do not like that drum beat just for the really? They don't like the not because of anything bad. Because it, it's always like, they always get freaked out. They're like, oh no, what's going to happen now? Oh, that's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. All right. So we've got uh, Jumanji from 1995, of course, directed by Joe Johnston and stars Chris, uh, ugh, Chris, why am I about to say Chris Williams? I can't read. Robin Williams, Kirsten Dunst. See, I can't even get the Kirsten Dunst, whatever. David Allen Greer, Bonnie Hunt, Jonathan Hyde, and Bibby Newworth. Um, so what we have here is a story about some kids who play this mysterious and magical game called Jumanji that must be played no matter what. Um, two kids find it in, you know, 1969 in this nice little, you know, northeastern New Hampshire town. Then they start to play it. And of course, one of the poor kids gets sucked into the game. And fast forward to the present, which, of course, is 1995 at this point. Uh, strictly speaking, 1994, because of when they, you know, actually filmed it and everything. But <clears throat> and, uh, and that'll be important later. You'll understand why it's important later. Um, but, yeah, so 95 for purposes of the when the movie released. And they are then forced to fight it out and everything, right? So, you know, and, and finish the game. So they end up finishing the game. Um, the game, of course, uh, is running through the issues of parents and uh, fathers and sons, the relationships there and how uh, parental relationships form and the bonds that cre created go through all sorts of different uh, forms and fashions, different facets of those kinds of things. And along the way, they have a whole lot of fun, tons of special effects as the game takes over the town. 
So, I I mean, this movie is definitely a great movie. Uh, it's it's also a movie that I would argue has aged very well. Um, outside of the clearly dated special effects, which uh, clearly were cutting edge in 1995, 96, but not so much now. Even though uh, you do get to be for you, you, you can kind of forgive it uh, a little bit for those special effects and the and the CGI and stuff based on its premise. So, um, you know, so so that's nice. But at the same time, while that aspect of it is dated, the entire movie itself hasn't because it's so well acted, because it's such a fun, fantastical movie, um, with very, very amazing performances by Robin Williams and the very underrated and underappreciated Bonnie Hunt, in my opinion, um, especially in this film. So, I, I I enjoy this movie a lot. I think it's a I think it's a great movie. It's a great family movie. Uh, and the kids and, and even today, my kids love it. So you know the movie can stand on its own. We now fast forward to 2017, and we get Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle, which uh, is a heavily updated version of the film, uh, directed by Jake Kasdan, and. Um, obviously stars Dwayne Johnson, Jack Black, Kevin Hart, Karen Gillian, Nick Jonas, and Bobby Cannavale. Um, so this movie, I could not believe how good it was. I saw the preview for it. I saw the trailer for it. Um, the, the very first teaser trailer I was like, okay, well that I like that they're, that they've made it a video game. And so, um, I always thought that this was meant to be more or less kind of a spiritual successor. And so I kind of liked, they were like, okay, it's a video game. So at least they, they explain, you know, what it's going to be doing in 2017. But I didn't really think it was going to be much more than that. Now, I didn't have my expectations set to zero, but uh, I, I I was a little bit subdued going into the film. Uh, we went, uh, the whole family went and saw it. Theater was packed um, when we went and saw this movie. And I was blown away. I literally could not believe how clever everything was in terms of this movie i i thought it was fantastic because they actually explain what it is that um causes it to become a video game and they use that to link it to the original film which uh, which was very well done and they kept it extremely brief very simple and then they bring it to the present day. And what they do in terms of changing the aspect and the tone of the film, uh, they also give you a way to make the movie about something else, which in this case is the value of friendship. And so they, they do that with all these different conferring aspects of the film. And yet they also because they create it in the realm of a video game and bring bring you inside of the game instead of trying to reinvent the wheel by bringing the game back to reality again, you're also able to do things like forgive obvious CGI because it's a video game. So now you you no longer have that aspect broken for you. You get to stay sucked into the adventure and the fun. The writing is terribly clever, and my wife and my dad and I are laughing at all the right jokes and literally watching my kids. I looked over at one of the jokes where basically um, Jack Black's character, um, who's <laughs> Shelly, who, who's, who's played by uh, uh, Shelly, and let's see here, so... Who is who? Who does her in? Uh, yes, Madison Eisman. Madison Eisman, who plays Bethany Walker. So she ends up playing Jack Black's character in the video game, and so she's actually having to deal with being a man, um, and the physicality of a man, but still being a girl. And there's a lot. There are a lot of dick jokes as a result, and yet. They go, I mean, I literally watched, so she gets excited, she hugs Nick Jonas's character, 
in the movie. And, <laughs> and of course she gets a, she gets a semi or a hard on or whatever. Right. And, and so they, they literally make a joke about it. She's like, Oh my God, these things are amazing. Right. And I looked over because my wife and my dad and I are laughing our asses off. And the, and so are most of the theater, all the adults. And my kids are like, what does that mean? <laughs> my oldest daughter's like, why is that funny? <laughs> I'm just like, shh, you'll, you'll learn later on in life. Don't worry about it. Ooh, and so, so you, they didn't press you on that. You didn't have to explain. No, that? I did not have to go any further than that. Oh, thank man. God. That was hilarious. It's not good. I mean, I, look, my time is coming. She's ten and a half, so uh, you know, we've had the 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 talk already about penises and vaginas and boy parts and girl parts and that, and that kind of stuff, but not. We haven't had to have that talk yet, so I know my time is running out. But still, she was she was fine with okay, whatever. And but it's 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 lines like that. I mean the the. The movie is ridiculously clever. Um, and it, and it just worked. Not to mention you've got Jack Black and Kevin Hart. Um, you've got two amazing comedians. They're not going to let this opportunity go by. Uh, Dwayne Johnson is absolutely, um, not afraid to make a fool of himself, which is great for the character that he's trying to be, uh, in the film. Uh, Karen Gillian does a fantastic job as well. Of course, I'm a super huge Karen Gillian fan. All the nods to the original film, like, um, uh, Sir Darius Blaine, who plays, um, Anthony Fridge Johnson in the real world, his number is 94. Why is that important? Oh, because it was filmed in 94. See, they do all these amazing throwbacks to it. Um, you, you even have, uh, great performances. Um, and I, I can't, certain other characters that are cameos and stuff, lots of throwbacks to the original film and nods. Um, my only worry is that because they show that the game Jumanji itself can magically adapt to its surroundings is that they'll take it too far. Um, and try and make other movies based in the same vein, in which case it's, it won't be as good. What makes this movie so good is that they didn't try to make it anything that it's not. They made it, they truly made it its own unique take on the original film. And while it is technically a sequel, I, st I, just with its nods to the past and its acknowledgement of it having happened, but not addressing anything else, they made it its own movie. And that's why it's so good. And quite frankly, long way down, I know. I gotta give the win. I gotta give it to Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. Don't hate me, Tim. I'm sorry. Don't hate me. I love the original. I do. And I will always, and, and I will always have both. Um, I, I, we already own, uh, the, the original Jumanji. And when Welcome to the Jungle comes out on Blu-ray, I'm, I'm getting it. Well, I, I ask you this, if you don't mind me butting in for a second. No, go ahead. I'm done. I'm done. So my, my winner is Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. So, so 95 Jumanji came out 22 years ago. Correct. Do you think in 22 years, Welcome to the Jungle will be out of date? Or do you think it's going to still hold up nicely? Um, I think it will hold up as well. Um, and because, and here's why. Because much like 95's Jumanji, the story holds up really, really well. The characters are awesome. The story being told is fantastic. And the themes behind the story are awesome. The special effects, however... Lacking. Not enough to destroy the movie, but definitely something that you can tell it's old. And I think that the special effects, again, will be the issue going forward. I think, however, that audiences of the future will still recognize that, oh, wow, this is what games used to look like, so okay. But they will also love the story and love the themes 
that are being told, that are being explained and explored. And that's what's going to keep this movie strong. Did you see the original at the theater when it came out? I th- mm, no. I think I saw. God, I'm trying to think. Ninety. So it really would have been because it was like December of '95 when Jumanji came out. So yeah. could have been as early as '96. I'm thinking I didn't see it till it was on VHS. To be honest, be 100 percent honest. I'm not sure. This, I believe was the first movie that I saw at Tinseltown at the Woodlands. Wow. Yeah, because I think this is about when Tinseltown opened up. The only reason why I brought that up is because that's a movie that was like the new cool movie theater in the Spring Woodlands, I guess even Tomball area for the most part. Sure. And I grew up with Jumanji. I always had this affection towards it because... It's a comedy, but Rob Williams played one of his likable characters. Slightly dramatic, still comedic, but not way too over the top. He was reserved, and that's what I liked about the film. I liked how that some of it was scary and jarring. I thought that as a kid, like with the whole young Alan Parrish getting sucked into the game, there was something frightening about that, and he doesn't get to return home until he's a full-grown Amazon man, (laughs) a full-grown jungle man, and... You know, to me, it's just sad. I thought him running into what's-her-face, Holly Hunt, who plays the girl at the beginning of the movie, he ends up back with her at the end of it. You know, it's just there's something wonderful about the film that is heartwarming and incredibly character-driven, despite all the special effects in the CGI and a lot of the CGI, like the monkeys that didn't really age all that well, that all just kind of took a back seat. And the movie was a CGI spectacle, but the humor and the storytelling, the characters were just so much more. That is why I give the original, or and that's why I deem the original Jumanji the winner of this copycat throwdown, because I too thoroughly enjoyed Welcome to the Jungle. I went and saw it. I mean, I'll just throw it out there. I saw it for free at work. We did a screening of it right before the movie even came out. But they showed it to a lot of us at work where they do free screenings for a lot of the movies. And because it came out on Christmas and in the movie industry, we get like 10 days off during Christmas for a holiday break. We got to see it before the holiday break. So I went to go see it at like the 9.50 or the 9.30 showing at night. And I was pretty tired and I, I was surprised. Like I laughed. Everybody in the audience enjoyed it. It's a crowd pleaser. But on top of all of that, the special effects are very good. The storytelling is very good. It felt like I was watching an adventure film. I liked the game characters. I enjoyed the casting. I enjoyed the humor. But I couldn't help but feel that I didn't have the same connection with this film like I did the last film. And it felt like they were trying to establish such a connection. I guess it's because I didn't care about the young kids too much. I thought they felt very underdeveloped, unlike the original Jumanji, where, you know, the characters were underdeveloped, but you could just tell that there was a level of naivety and love between the two characters. And you you saw that, you know, in, in, in nuanced ways. And this film, though it does have a surprisingly amount of nuance, the new one, it just doesn't pack that same punch. And I could have used more of that character element. It's still a good movie, though. I don't want it to seem like it's not at all. I'm excited to take uh, the S.O. out to go see it this Friday. She hasn't seen it yet, so I'm going to go take her to go see it. And I'm excited to watch it with a regular movie-going audience. Um, But I think on top of the reason why I enjoy the original film so much is because of the humor. The humor is not only family-friendly, but it's also funny. It's not dumbed-down humor. The new movie, when they're not making references to certain things like Alan Parrish and The Treehouse, which I thought was a little too heavy-handed in trying to bridge the two films... The jokes are a little raunchier and a little bit more mature. I don't think it's because kids now are more mature or enjoy more of this raunchy humor. It's just I think it's more difficult for people to write 
what certain folk would call wholesome humor that doesn't have to be risque, but just witty and genuinely funny because they're relying on talented comedians, talented performers and actors to pull off this dialogue. And and again, I just thought Jumanji 95 did that better. So copycat throwdown for me, the winner, 95 between me and Matt. It's a drawl, I suppose. We're always allowed to have our own opinions on things. No, not with the SLS um, cast. I mean, let's okay. see here. Have we ever agreed? <laughs> uh, let's see here. Back in 2014, we both agreed about the 1947 miracle on 34th Street. And then we also agreed about 1951's Christmas Carol. And back in 2015, we both agreed on... 1982's Annie and Dante's Peak. I mean, it felt like and 2017 was the year of agreements. Yeah, 2000, yeah, 2016, we both agreed on the 31 Spanish version of Dracula. And 1961, Babes in Toyland. And yeah, we literally, we have not agreed on anything in the last year that we've done. Looking back over all that. That's hilarious. Oh, well, except for Coco. Oh, look, we did. Hey, look, it was a Christmas miracle. We both agreed on Coco. all right well that's fun so who knows maybe around episode 265 we'll get our we'll we'll, we'll get our next special segment uh next week though uh we're definitely just going to be doing some news if we do anything at all um because we got a lot of movies for next week and and it's gonna be oscar nominations so we we have all the oscar noms to talk about Ooh, yes that'll be something fun to week talk about as well there so i guess without further ado we should just go ahead and jump right into the movies correct hop skip and a jump right into the movies (laughs) here we go folks it's All right, this week's movies are I, Tanya, The Florida Project, and Roman J. Israel Esquire. So, what do you want? What do you want to start, sir? I'm, I'm going to go with least favorite. Or, or lowest okay. rating, uh, and I'm I'm putting on my magician's cap, my fortune teller's cap, and trying to th- trying to play. I'm trying to fondle the ratings within these films, and I, I I I'm I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I am going to go for lowest rated being Roman J. Israel Esquire. Oh my God! Thank God! Thank. God, I'm hoping it's your lowest rated, unless that whole thing was just so you were trying to guess my lowest rated. Oh, it's it's my lowest rated, too. Oh, thank God. Okay. Well, let's get into it, folks. Roman J. Esquire. I'm sorry. Roman J. Israel Esquire. Mr. Ramirez was told he was not under arrest, and yet he was refused use of the bathroom. That's a violation of civil rights. You can wait and address this at trial. Oh, I would like to address it now. I'm just saying... Mr. Israel, if guards in this courtroom would not allow you to use the bathroom, you would, by all definition, be detained. I'm going to hold you in contempt if you continue to pursue this. You're asking me to obey an erroneous court decision, and you tell me to wait. In my experience, wait. Okay. Find you in contempt. Voluntary manslaughter, it's a good deal. It's an enema of sunshine. Sorry for taking a nanosecond off of your assembly line rubber stamp existence. Hello? Roman Israel. We'll talk about what to expect if you are arrested. We're gonna rap. I don't mean hip hop. I'm sorry. Why are the sisters standing and the brothers sitting? As gendered and sexist. And and polite. And patronizing. And polite. This law firm is running deficit for years. You're firing me? You were a cornerstone of activism. You're inspiring. I'm tired of doing the impossible for the ungrateful. Take care of yourself. I am. I know where CJ's hold up. What's that worth? A lot. Don't tell nobody. Everything we discuss will be confidential. The man who did it, I know where he is. I want to reward cash. The world is full of wonderful things. I just heard something about you from a solid source. You knew where I was. God! I got you. Anytime I want. God! These are dangerous people. 
each one of us is greater than the worst thing we've ever done. All right. So you heard it there. 2017 American legal drama films written and directed by Dan Gilroy stars uh, Denzel Washington, Colin Farrell and Carmen Ejogo um, and basically follows a very um, awkward and I don't know, uh, maybe close to Asperger's uh, type of lawyer by the name of Roman J. Israel. And he ends up working at a big firm after his small firm partner has a heart attack. Um, all right, so this is a movie that is basically being carried by a character who is... It's not that the guy is hard to like, but it's a character that is very difficult for the vast majority of people out there to relate to. And what makes it, what makes the character so difficult to relate to is that in his, in his present state, which is what you see in the movie, you see a guy that seems to be lost in, in his identity. He, in that he doesn't really know what it is, but he knew what it was. And this bleeds into every other facet of the movie because it informs and reflects on all of his actions and his relationships within the film. And so this ultimately, though, becomes the stumbling block because there's no real forward movement for the character. Um, something that I'm very often... Uh, you know, going back to is the idea of the dynamic characters this is the character that you follow in the movie or in a book or what have you that makes the greatest shift and does the greatest amount of growth. And when you have and and sometimes there's a play on that. There's a de deconstructionist style where the main character doesn't really change so much as he changes he or she changes everyone around them. Right. Think Pollyanna, or a man called Ove, right? Uh, you know, but this is a movie that is written and directed as a vehicle for the, for the protagonist of the film. And so it just kind of, it just kind of falters. The, the whole story falters because they don't make, there's not really a way for you to get inside the character of Roman J. Israel, Esquire. There's not really a way for you to relate. It's not that you can't so much understand it because you, you can't, um, work it out or you don't realize things or that doesn't make sense. No, 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 no. You can't understand it because there's nothing to relate to. And I don't mean that you have to have been active in the civil rights movement to get an idea because that's something that plays heavily into the characterization. I mean, you, you just don't have any way. They, they don't, they don't give you a way to relate to something. And as, and when you're in something that is as heavy as a legal drama, you've got to have that. Otherwise it doesn't work. It's well shot. It's well acted. I would argue it's not terribly well written. And that is where the movie ultimately lands because without this story being well written you don't really feel like it has anywhere to go and thus by the end of the story you're not really left with anything thought-provoking as much as you're left without something to think about so i give this movie a three i liked it but mainly it but mainly i liked it because i like the actors and actresses in it not necessarily because I liked the story and not because I liked where it went. So, barely made it, barely made it, but three stars. If I was freed from the criminal work, I can get back to my roots, the, the bigger battles, the organized mass action supported by sweeping legal challenges. With my skill and uh, experience, I'm, I'm quite certain I can get this organization right back in line with its core beliefs. This organization? Yes. Yeah. I wasn't aware that we um, had strayed. Well, I'm not talking about nickel and dime reformism. I'm talking about 
igniting a sustained mass movement supported by rule change and injunctive uh, relief and uh, aggregate results using class action tactics. I'm talking about a return to using activist litigation creatively, defensively, counteroffensively. I am very proud of what we've done here. I, uh, I think we are making significant headway in many, many areas. Oh, in my experience, that's a, an excuse to, to feel good and to slack off. What do you got there, Tim? I am right there with you. Three stars for me as well. I thought the flick was entertaining. I enjoyed watching it. But I think Denzel Washington and the movie itself, they're on two different levels here, you know. There are intriguing aspects, intriguing nuances with the performances and the storytelling. Well, performances as in Denzel Washington's performance. Those aspects go nowhere. It seems like you under you begin to kind of understand the character midway through. He starts getting these ticks and he becomes something else. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but he represents himself in a specific way in the beginning. Then midway, maybe even more than midway through, he begins to identify himself in a different way. And then by the end of the film, it, it just kind of stops. Whereas maybe the certain those certain aspects and certain character moments that happened midway through should have happened er- earlier on. So it would have had more time to digest and more time to create and to become something else. So that when the movie is over, it felt like a cycle happened. This is a movie that, in my mind, should have been about identity. It is about I don't know what. <laughs> but it's still entertaining. And it's still three stars. And I, if Denzel Washington is nominated for an Oscar, I think it's uh, definitely deserved. Because he definitely carries this film. I enjoyed the the limbs he went out on. You know, I enjoyed his tics, I enjoyed what he created, and I thought he created a very interesting character, even though I felt it wasn't maybe fully developed within the story. But there's no doubt that Denzel Washington had a fully created, nuanced character in mind. If you think it's interesting, if you're intrigued by the trailer, go check it out. I think it might be worth it, but... For me, three out of five. Awesome. And just a real quick note. The last movie that we talked about with Colin Farrell was The Beguiled. And I must say, it was a lot nicer to see Colin Farrell in this movie. I'm just, for whatever that's worth, very, very, very happy to have seen Colin Farrell in this movie. I have a renewed renewed faith in Colin Farrell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, anyways, all right, what, what, where do you want to go from here, sir? All right, so my second to least or lowest rated flick is actually... The one in the middle, the middle film. The middle, the middle film. film is actually uh, The Florida Project. Ah, oh, so sad. Oh, this is... Man, you were on a roll. The, this last, last week and this week, man, you were on a roll, and you've ruined it. Tell me you how. I'm so sad. <laughs> Tell me how so, I ruined it. I'm so it. sad. <laughs> <laughs> because this wasn't the middle movie for me. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, talk about it then. <laughs> First off, I guess maybe they should know what we're talking about. Let's do that. The Florida Project. Thanks for calling the Magic Castle, Amber. Mm. Yeah, sure do. $38 a night. Okay, I warned you. One drip and you're out. Oh, come on! Out now. It's gonna melt outside. It's melting inside, too. But, Bobby... Out. Thank you very much. You're not welcome! The man who lives in here gets arrested a lot. These are the rooms we're not supposed to go in. But let's go anyway. Could you give us some change, please? The doctor said we have asthma and we gotta eat ice cream yeah. right away. Here you go. Hey, Lee, got a situation here. Open up. It's only second week of the summer and there's already been a dead fish in the pool. We're trying to get it back alive. Water balloons thrown at tourists. Boobies! Boobies! I failed as a mother, Moni. Yeah, Mom, you're a disgrace. New job? Yeah. If you're working, who's looking after money? You're 
father. I don't want to be your you father. You can't treat me like this. You don't think everybody knows what's up, Haley? Everybody. She's about to cry. I can always tell when adults are about to cry. Just talk to them, they gotta figure something out. See, I took you on a safari. Whoa. Let's go, come on. Have a nice day. Love you, baby. I love you too. All right, 2017 American drama films directed by Sean Baker. Uh, it stars Willem Dafoe, Brooklyn Prince, Bria uh, Venate, Valeria Cotto, Christopher Rivera, and Caleb Landry Jones. Uh, basically, this movie is following um, primarily a young girl named Mooney, uh, played uh, amazingly by Brooklyn Prince. And uh, as she lives uh, with her mom in a motel in Kissimmee, Florida. So uh, for those who are not immediately aware, Kissimmee is the uh, closest um, metropolitan area next to Disney World proper. Um, yes, of course, Orlando is where everybody flies into and goes to and lives around when they go, when they think of Universal Studios and Disney World and SeaWorld and all that stuff. However, um, strictly speaking, as the crow flies, Kissimmee is basically right next door to Disney World. So huge tourist area. And as well with tourist area, you also get low rent stuff um and that is kind of where this movie is going uh is kind of where this movie's going um so mooney lives with her mom Haley, and they are spending their summer at this motel which is run by willem dafoe and it's It's a very similar in tone film, not in execution or style, but a similar in tone film to Mud. Um, And in that it is focusing on these kids and primarily Brooklyn as she experiences life in this most different of ways. Um, And this movie is so fucking awesome. Oh my god, this movie is so fucking good. I, um, part of it is because of my affinity with Disney. Uh, part of it is my affinity for my own childhood, I guess, as fucked up and terrible as it was in some regards, and as absolutely amazing as it was in others. Um, and reliving part of that amazingness while knowing the outside world that I lived in wasn't as great as it could have been. And you see so much of that. You know, you see the wonder, you see the fun, you see the trouble that you kids get into because as much as they do understand things that are going on, they, they still don't. And they don't always understand the severity of the situation that they're in. And they, they exist as kids. And it's amazing to watch that. Um, you then, of course, have the backdrop of Haley and Willem Dafoe's relationship that you see in yet another aspect of kind of the familial aspect in this weird, um, very platonic, asexual-ish father-daughter thing. Um, and yet, at the same time, there's still a great deal of tension there. Um, there's, God, so much, so much beauty involved. And I'm, and, and I'm reminded a bit just from the cinematography aspect of it. I'm reminded a bit of boyhood. Um, and shot selection, things of that nature. Uh, some set design. Just kind of, I got, I got that feel of it. It's so much to like about this movie. So much wonder and things to get. But there's one flaw that I just can't ignore that that keeps it from getting a perfect score. Sean Baker's getting a lot of credit for his direction. And he should. He should. But the movie is very, very, very heavily dependent on its child actors and actresses. Um, and 
subsequently, it does fall victim to child acting, which has to be measured. It, it's got to be meted out in just the right way, especially in a drama and especially with some heavy material that you find in this movie. Because if it's not done exactly right, you lose immersion. And there are a couple of points, um, one of which towards the middle, um, where, um, towards the middle where the kids set, set, uh, set a building on fire. Um, and then again, for me, towards the end of the film that I don't want to say for, for spoiler, uh, to remain spoiler free. And I just, I, I didn't quite buy into it. And so for those reasons, I give it a 4.75 out of 5. It's beautiful. It's great. For me, it really worked in a nostalgia way. Um, it really worked in a familial aspect. The acting is superb. Willem Dafoe, um, I'm looking to see that he gets a uh, Best Supporting Actor nomination out of this. Because if he doesn't at least get that, I'm convinced he's robbed. But kid actors, man. It just it wasn't one hundred percent perfect all the time, and you could tell. So four point seven five out of five. Holy crap! Check this movie out. I got a videotape of the kids illegally entering the utility room. Don't act guilty, okay? Act guilty. Do you hear what I just said? I got it. I'ma talk to her. Happens again. You're out of here. It's only second week of the summer, and there's already been a dead fish in the pool. We were doing an experiment. We were trying to get it back alive. That wasn't my and, idea. And water balloons thrown at tourists? You can't fuck with tourists. They didn't tip us. Are you serious? No. Oh, my God, this is unacceptable. I failed as a mother, Moni. You've disgraced me. Hurley. Yeah, Mom, you're disgraced. And I'm going to talk to Ashley, by the way. When your friend puts you in charge of her kid... That kid becomes your responsibility. You ain't taking responsibility. And you got that one, too? She's from Futureland, right? Oh, whatevs. You gotta relax, my man. You gonna redo my expense reports with your whatevs? Your kid killed my night. I wanted to watch the ball game. You gonna pay me for three hours that I gotta work later? Hey, guys, pay the man for his three hours. I don't have any I don't money. Have I don't have any money. We don't have any money, you shit out of of which... You haven't given me this week's rent yet. You don't think I know that, show? Tim. So Sean Baker, he did a little movie that I thoroughly enjoyed a couple years ago called Tangerine, which was shot all on iPhone, and it was about the transgendered women who <laughs> who one is set out to kill her boyfriend because she got released from jail or something and found out that he cheated on her so he wants she wants to go out and kill him <laughs> and her boyfriend turns out to also be the, her drug dealer and her pimp or whatever and what i found was very intriguing about that film was that not only was it all shot on iPhones it was shot around the area pretty close to where i used to live in in hollywood and they, the, all the, the settings for it are places that I would drive down all the time, whether to go to work or if we went out or I was very familiar with these settings and how they utilize those settings and knowing the type of people that the film represents, the movie was spot on and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think I, I probably gave it a 4.25 out of 5. Um, it was an entertaining flick. So like with Tangerine, Writer-director Sean Baker does an incredible job at presenting characters or people in settings who in that are not often portrayed in such a way in mainstream flicks. You never see characters like this. You never see people like this in movies, but these are characters. These are people that we've experienced in real life. I've seen these personalities before. We've been harassed by... By these women that use, uh, or these people that use their kids as pawns to sell you something that you don't need because you feel bad for them. You feel obligated to help provide for this child. <laughs> you know, um, it's a good movie. It's a 3.75 out of 5 flick. There's so much to love about it. 
it's an addictive film. And, and by the way, I apologize. I'm go- I went back and double checked. It was a four point two five across the board for Tangerine. Oh, good. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I could go as far as to say that I love Sean Baker's films. I mean, at least those two films. I know he has another one called Starlet that is supposed to be fantastic that came out, I think, in 2012 or something that I probably need to go back and check out now. But the reason why I give The Florida Project a 3.75 out of 5 is because I am not too sure what Sean Baker's endgame is here. I wasn't a big fan in regards of how the movie ended. I didn't understand what I was supposed to feel towards the relationship of between the daughter and the mother. I think in some way, thinking about it now, especially after listening to Matt's review, I was starting to think that maybe that was the point. We could sympathize with people because we never want to see a mother losing her child, but there's a reason why it happened. And I think that's fascinating. I think that's interesting. And I do not have an issue with that. It's in some way, they're making it seem like I guess I just think in some way, maybe that's not more so in the forefront, whereas it leaves it up to where somebody can maybe watch it and think, oh, maybe what's going on, maybe the situation is actually not right. Maybe she should have kept her daughter because her daughter was doing fine. Maybe the mother was doing something right when clearly that is not the case. And honestly, I was kind of surprised that William Defoe's character, who he is the manager of the hotel, didn't pick up on this stuff earlier. And maybe that would have done something even more so for me, where maybe he knew he was just conflicted with doing anything about it. That would have been interesting. I don't know if what I just said made any sense, because I'm also afraid of saying something incorrectly and just coming across as a complete idiot who doesn't understand feelings or the different flavors of people out there in the world and parenting at least with me it felt like the movie didn't have a particular in-game in sight and that they left a little too much up in the air for my liking and i'll leave it at that because i'm not too sure how exactly what else to say to support that but that is why i give this film a 3.75 out of 5 it is good it just lacks a little something to really drive this movie home fair enough sir Fair enough. Well, then I guess that leaves us with I, Tanya. The haters always say, Tanya, tell the truth. There's no such thing as truth. Everyone has their own truth. I was the best figure skater in the world at one point in time. Call out a clean skate. Stop talking to her. That girl is your enemy. Jeff was my first date ever. And my mom came. You need to see a wholesome American family. I don't have a wholesome American family. Nothing's ever your fault. I was embarrassed for you. My entire life, I've been told I wouldn't amount to anything. You know what? Maybe I would. 4.8. How do I get a fair shot here? We also judge on presentation. We're gonna need it even the playing field. I know a guy shouldn't even be saying his name. Derek. The press wanted me to be the pile of crap. I never did this. We're with the FBI. They know something. What can you tell us about Tonya Harding? I don't know a Tony Harding. (laughs) Aren't you her bodyguard? When I was a kid, did you ever love me? I made you a champion, knowing you'd hate me for it. That's the sacrifice a mother makes. He cursed me. America, they want someone to love. They want someone to hate. I mean, come on. What kind of friggin' person bashes in their friend's knee? Who would do that to a friend? So we've got a 2017 American biographical film uh, directed by Craig Gillespie and stars uh, Margot Robbie, Sebastian Stan, Allison Jamie, Julianne Nicholson, and again, Bobby Cannavale. Um, 
Let's see here. And for those of you who wonder why I always say Bobby Cannavale is because um, my wife and I know him only as the funky tasting spunk guy from Sex in the City. So um, for those of you wondering, season three, episode nine, just throwing that out there. And then you, too, will never think of this guy the same way again. It's kind of sad. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so it's following, uh, it's a movie, uh, you know, your standard biopic follows the life of figure skater Tanya Harding and ultimately her connection in the, uh, oh, good Lord, Nancy Kerrigan attack back in 1994. Um, it does go into a little bit of life post Olympics, but not a whole hell of a lot. The, the, Meat and potatoes is growing up and getting to the Olympics. Um, I thought this movie was, uh, hilarious. Uh, I thought it was kind of sad. Um, and, and I don't mean like, you know, heartbreaking boohoo sad, but just kind of like, wow, I feel, I feel bad for you and your life did kind of suck kind of thing. But I'll be damned if it's just not absolutely entertaining. It is nonstop entertaining for for sure, and I think Allison Janney definitely does a fantastic job. Margot Robbie also doing a, a really great job in the film. Uh, Sebastian Stan, you know what? Sebastian Stan, come on, you you know him. He's a just this Bucky amazing Larson? Larson? guy. Bucky? Yeah, Bucky Larson. You gotta love Bucky Larson, right? The Winter Soldier. But uh, no, seriously, he does a great job as well. They got this magical stars align thing to happen where they got people who fit physical descriptions and similar and have similar looks and characteristics to their real life counterparts of the day but that can also act i know blows your mind blows your mind but they managed to pull this off in this film i was pretty impressed the one thing that I, that really holds the movie back from true greatness in terms of a great, great, great score, and it's got a fantastic score in my opinion, is that when it goes off the rails, as these types of movies are wont to do, it feels a little bit more like they're pulling your leg, kind of like American Made um, that I reviewed earlier in the year with Tom Cruise, where they're just seemingly having fun with it for the sake of having fun with it. And at some point, you still have to remember this, this, this was a real person's life and her life was completely destroyed by what happened here. And yes, it's off the rails and it's still entertaining, but I think it kind of breaks the spirit of the story, if not the heart of the story. And that's really all I have to say about it. it extremely entertaining, extremely entertaining. 4.5 out of 5. The awards that are uh, the nominations that are coming out, especially for Margot Robbie and Allison Janney speak for themselves. So definitely check it out. If you haven't 4.5 out of five, bring us home, Tim. Well, if it means anything at all, Matthew, I too give this movie a 4.5 out of five. Woo. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you, what, what did you think of the use of the blue screen or the, the face and head, transfers during the ice skating scenes because obviously that wasn't margot robbie doing the triple axel or all that stuff. um well they've come a long way since phantom menace i'll give them that uh, <laughs> if you want to see the really bad version of that go back and watch the darth maul fight with uh qui-gon jinn and obi-wan in uh phantom menace but it was good for what it was. I got to give him credit. It was good for what it was. Yes, it was obvious. But, I mean, there's only so much you can do without without pulling a cutting edge, right? Because if you remember back in the cutting edge uh, from the 90s there with D.B. Sweeney and I can't remember the what was his name, like Maura Kelly, <laughs> right? Was it Maura Kelly? I can't believe you're referencing the cutting edge. That is hilarious. <laughs> well, not not because it's a cinematic masterpiece. Good God. No, it's just there's there's ice skating. Like, it's true ice skating and figure skating involved. <laughs> Which woman did you watch that with? Uh, oh, gosh. Most recently, I watched it with Jen. It, she loves that movie. Oh, God, she loves that movie. I remember watching it in the 90s, though. I don't know who I watched it with. 
I secretly love it. No, I know I watched it with somebody. <laughs> must have been my must have been my first wife. I guess. Yes, well, I now know. I know to give anyway, you the Criterion edition of the Cutting Edge. That's right. Uh, you know what? Just Photoshop that because I would think that's absolutely hilarious if there was like a <laughs> Criterion collection. It's it's now time to stop buying the Criterion collection. They just came out with the Cutting Edge. Um, seriously though, in terms of the way that they shot all of that action is tons and tons and tons of foot action. So they just zoom, they're just zooming in on the skates. They're doing quick cuts, quick pans of the bodies and stuff like that, of the skaters' bodies, so that you never really get a chance to see their face. And while it was kind of fun and unique, it's rather blasé by the end of the movie. So we've got technology now and if they're able to get someone, you know, have her work on other ways to, to spin the action of the head on the body. Okay. I mean, I don't think that, I don't think it'll be winning any special effects awards, but meh, it was, it was fine. The spin action of the head on the body. (laughs) Did you, I mean, when I was a kid, did you ever love me or anything? You think Sonia Henny's mother loved her? Poor fucking you. I didn't stay home making apple brown Bettys. No, I made you a champion. Knowing you'd hate me for it. That's the sacrifice a mother makes. I wish I'd had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I didn't like my mother either. So what? I fucking gave you a gift. He cursed me. monster spilled milk baby i i thoroughly enjoyed this movie again 4.5 out of 5 there are so many loose ends that this film had to pull together the movie pulls it off very effectively and incredibly entertainingly (laughs) it's a satisfying film margot robbie this is her movie not only was she a, did she star in the movie, but she's also the producer of the film. She helped make this movie. In fact, she was one of the reasons why this movie got made. And so it, it's incredible. I mean, this is an indie low-budget movie. It's pretty outstanding once you think about that. Like, this whole movie was made in 30 days. And it was they did such a damn good job. Excellent character work. Alice and Janie, top-notch. I mean, she deserves it, man. Uh, What a great evil mom character. One of the best. You just got to see it. There are definitely some nitpicky things here or there. But with a rating of 4.5 out of 5, I don't feel like I have to go through and dissect the handful of things that I didn't care about. Other than mentioning that I thought that the, uh, the face swapping and the use of the blue screen and the slow motions for the dramatic effect was unneeded. For any of you who are a casual listener of the show, when it comes to a couple moments within a movie where you see blatant CGI, like in Three Billboards, when they didn't need that CGI freaking deer in the movie, the the CGI deer was only in the movie to establish some kind of sentiment, you don't fucking need it. The movie would have been the exact same movie without that moment. If it wasn't in there, you wouldn't have had the blatantly horrible-looking CGI, you know? Because of the use of the slow motion during the skate moments, there's so much of it, and the camera just sits there, or the shot just lingers there, and it's just a little too blatant that if it was done differently, it wouldn't have been so obvious and it wouldn't have been so distracting. I guess that says something about a movie, if that's really one of the only things that bothered me, period. Uh, yeah, other than that, I thought it was a great movie. 4.5 out of 5. I Tanya. Right on, right on. All right, folks. Well, we've got the mega movie thread for next week. Uh, the next week's movies are going to be Phantom Thread, Battle of the Sexes, Ferdinand, Call Me By Your Name, and Finding Vincent, and Lady Bird. That's right. We got a half dozen flicks to cover. It's going to be a whopper, but we're going to get through it. Don't worry. We'll do it together. And a couple of them are subject to change due to the Oscars that are going to be announced. So That's true. And also VOD schedules and stuff like that as well. But that's the current list and we'll 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 uh 
go from there. We'll let you know if it changes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So without further ado, I guess it's time for the spiel, is it not, sir? Spiel on. Is there something wrong with the food? No, the food was excellent. Perhaps you're not happy with the service? No, no, no complaints. It's just that we have to go. I'm having rather a heavy period. And we have a train to catch. Oh. Oh, yes, yes, of course, we have a train to catch. And I don't want to start bleeding all over the seats. Well, the music you've been listening to, as always, has been brought to us by our music partners, Cries of Solace. You can check them out at ReverbNation.com and Facebook.com, both slash Cries of Solace. As for us, we are, of course, the SLS Cast. You can find us at SLScast.com. You can send us an email to the show at SLScast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the SLScast. You can follow me, this is Matt, on Twitter at Nitwit12345. You can, of course, come aboard that information superhighway and track down Tim on Twitter if that's your heart's desire. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio, as well as track us down on the old sound cloud so until next week this is matt saying that thanks to sebastian stan i get to say this sometimes it's okay to give yourself a pat on the back and say that was cool that made me feel good take care cinephiles and we'll talk at you again next week madam perhaps we should be going oh very well monsieur Thank you so much. So nice to see you. And I hope very much we will see you again very soon. Au revoir, monsieur. Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. You can find us over at slscast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can send us an email to the show at slscast.com. And of course, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>